This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 16th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The controversial stop-and-frisk policy of New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg is on hold. Tim Lynch, director of the Cato Institute's Project on Criminal Justice, says the program's defenders don't have much evidence to stand on. Well, for many years, New York City has been very aggressive as far as using these stop-and-frisk tactics, which basically means the officers can approach people on the street, uh, stop them, uh, ask them questions, detain them for a few minutes, and if they suspect the person is armed or has contraband, they will frisk their clothing. And um, a very controversial policy because it's directed uh, primarily at minority males who have been complaining that they're constantly being harassed by the police. And the ordinary people who work on Wall Street in Manhattan are not affected by these policies, and so they think that there's a double standard at work. Uh, The mayor thinks this is uh, primarily responsible for the drop in crime in the city, but other people are saying, look, look, this just violates our constitutional rights. The policy itself is not uh, biased or racist, but it seems like in implementation, it's almost inevitable that uh, certain groups would be targeted more than others. The police will say that they're going where the crime is. So they go to the the precincts in the city where crime rates are high, and those happen to be minority neighborhoods. So that's their argument. But the judge pointed out in her ruling that the Fourth Amendment applies to everybody, and uh, the police have to have reasonable suspicion in order to search somebody, to detain somebody, and frisk their clothing. And what the judge was finding is that over and over again, there's pressure uh, on the police officers out on the street to conduct stop and frisk. But when you look at the statistics that have come back, uh, more than 90% of the frisks, for example, don't turn up a weapon. So she is saying, how good is the judgment of the police out there if 90% of the frisks are not turning up weapons, how good is their suspicion when they when they keep telling the courts that, well, they had a very good reason for searching the person? If it turns out that the statistics are so lopsided, something's wrong here. And she also pointed out that uh, in more than 90% of the 4 million stops over a period of years, don't lead to any further law enforcement action. That means after the stop and frisk, there's no arrest. Uh, there's no summons. There's really only 6% of uh, the 4 million uh, stops led to an arrest. Another 6% led to a summons where they may have found you know, some marijuana on somebody, something like that. But in 90%, there's no further law enforcement action. So that bolsters the case of the people who have been lodging complaints over the years saying that they're harassed on their way to work. Uh, they basically don't have rights in the city. Now, that certainly speaks to whether or not uh, officers stopping and frisking have uh, a reasonable, have a basis for doing so, but it doesn't really change the constitutional argument. It doesn't. Uh, the, the, the talking points from the mayor and the police chief are just over and over again, like this has reduced crime. This is effective. And the judge was very clear about this. Uh, she's saying she's not talking about the effectiveness. She's looking at the legal standard. And she is saying, yes, the police can stop and frisk people if they have reasonable suspicion to do so. What she was looking at is, are the, are the police out on the streets 
blatantly going past that line and just stopping and frisking anybody for any reason on a whim. And she found overwhelming evidence during this trial that that is what is happening. Now, the other problem, though, is that this isn't like a single case where the charges are going to be dropped against the six people during this trial. This is a, like a class action lawsuit brought by civil liberties groups in New York City trying to challenge this policy, saying that the New York City Police Department is just disregarding the Fourth Amendment and doing widespread searches. And so this is going to be a very it's a it's a good ruling. The, the the judge has kind of like said you're out of control. But how are they really going to stop things? How are things going to be different in the city six months from now, a year from now? Because the city leaders are not saying, okay, we're going to change the policy. They're very zealous defenders of these things. Bloomberg said yesterday they're going to appeal appeal the ruling, and it's it's just a very hard thing for the courts to to rein in the officers out there on the streets if their sergeants and captains are telling, look, go out there and and stop people. Now, if part of her decision is hanging on the idea that 90% of these searches turn up nothing and that speaks to the judgment of police officers, uh, is it possible that police officers will just not uh, document the times that they're engaging in frisking to beef up their numbers, if you will? That's possible. That's why this whole policy has been controversial for years. A couple of years ago, civil liberties groups thought they had a victory because they were going to start documenting this. The the officers were going to be forced to fill out reports on these stops so that they could get more information, more transparency to the policy. Um, So they thought that was a big victory at the time. A couple of years later, now that we've gathered all that information and we've crunched the numbers and we've found, you know, some of these alarming numbers, are things going to change now? We really don't know because the mayor and and the police chief are just big, big defenders of this policy. Now, there are uh, different standards of evidence that apply for detaining people. Uh, one is uh, probable cause that pertains to uh, arrests typically and reasonable suspicion. Can you delineate those just a little bit? Sure. Uh, the probable cause standard is the one that we find explicitly mentioned in the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. And that basically means that you have a, a, a reasonable belief to believe that uh, a crime is being committed or that evidence is going to be found in a particular location. It's kind of, uh, you have a very good, you can articulate the reasons why you have come to that conclusion. Reasonable suspicion is a slightly lesser standard. That means that the police have uh, uh, a pretty good reason to think that somebody's up to no good, uh, that they're casing a store to rob it, uh, that they are making uh, gestures uh, that indicate to an officer that they're carrying arms illegally on the street, and it gives them that basis to do a brief stop to uh, check things out. Uh, it's a very hard standard to police because when the police just disregard that standard and just are on a hunch uh, stopping somebody and detaining them, it's hard for the courts to get in there and, and put a stop to it because if he stops you, frisks you, and you don't have a gun, you don't have contraband, he's just going to send you on your way. Uh, and what can you do after that? You're not going to take the trouble to hire a lawyer to say, hey, I was detained for 15 minutes for no reason. So you see what I mean? It's like so many of the people are stopped and then they're let go. There's no case there. 
So all you have are these complaints and grievances that kind of build up this resentment against the police and what they're doing. Um, and it's hard for the courts to, to get a handle on that. And that's what led to this class action suit to, to try to uh, rein in the policy, if you will. What evidence is there that uh, this policy has impacted crime one way or another? Certainly, Mayor Bloomberg is uh, thinking about the idea that uh, there's a chilling effect, that is, you're walking around, and if you know you may be stopped and frisked, maybe you're less likely to be carrying weapons. Right. Uh, that's the argument that they just make over and over again, is that this was the key to driving crime down in the city. And when they have weapons and contraband that they can point to, they would say, look, we've been able to take these guns off the street. And then when critics point out that they haven't been able to seize guns anymore, or they're, you know, that's not showing up in the statistics, then they will say, well, the policy is still effective because now uh, people are afraid to carry contraband and guns. So either way, they're using that as a way to bolster the effectiveness of their policy. But the judge was very clear now that you've got these reports. Uh, I mean, just overwhelmingly, um, uh, it's it's not turning up contraband and not, not turning up guns. And she also uh, this is getting more attention in the press about the the disparities in the race of people who are stopped and, and frisked and this sort of thing, and that's uh, disproportionately affecting African-American males and, and Hispanic males. So that's getting more attention in the press. But the judge was also very clear about the just the straight-up legal standard is not being adhered to. She pointed out in order to hold the city liable, she had to show not just that some officers were violating the policy, but that there were – she wanted to focus on the institutional response. She said the New York City Police Department had been on notice that this policy is out of control. What have they done about it? And during the trial, she found evidence that there was pressure placed on patrol officers to conduct stop and frisks. But then she also said, well, what disciplinary actions are taken against officers who – violate the standard. And she found that to be virtually non-existent. And then she pointed to the statistics that show the stops are not turning up contraband. What about the training? Are the police officers clear on what the legal standards are? Uh, she found that lacking as well. So because of those that lackluster institutional response, she said the New York City Police Department and the city of New York uh, basically have a policy in place that is unconstitutional. Tim Lynch is director of the Cato Institute's Project on Criminal Justice. You can read more on the Fourth Amendment at our website, cato.org.